Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. Overseed for Pride Month. There we go. Yeah, there we go. That's a bucket list item. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Do do we want to go into what that means? Or you're no Uh, longer adjacent, so. No, I'm good. Uh, Hey, welcome to another episode of the Fun Funny Books and Firewater podcast. I almost said Fun Bucket, and I don't know why. (laughs) That's for my friend. Speaking of Pride Month, so yes, that applies too. Uh, We have Fun Dumpster on the Fun Bucket. Um, I thought Cum Dumpster was the Fun Bucket. Uh, Oh, true. You don't know me, so I don't. I do not know you. <laughs> the fun thing about this show is you can hear Lena's eyes roll at the back of her head. Yeah, you yes, can you can. <laughs> anyway, we are here, uh, continuing on our month of Pride books. Uh, we are doing a book that uh, a friend of mine who listens to the show thought we'd already done, and I said we have, but the episode never came out. We just talked about it a lot on other episodes um, <laughs> because we lost the recording of that episode. And it was all wacky, but we decided to come back and visit it because we also wanted Lana to have a chance to join and read it. So we are doing Snagglepuss Exit Stage Left, the book that when you explain this to people they don't believe you, that uh, uh, Snagglepuss Chronicles Exit Stage Left um, uh, where you say that there is an amazing book that is the character of Snagglepuss and people just think you're full of shit, which is great. It was like one of the best books of the year. It definitely was. Yeah, it really was. And again, everyone's like, I remember I was uh, flipping through it because I had to read it last night and Clark's like, what is that? I'm like, it's Snagglepuss. He's like, the car cartoon at least he understands it's a cartoon because it is before his time uh and he's like wait what and i was like you've got to read it to understand but it's brilliant so yeah anyway so uh that is that um like we have sort of mentioned before and uh we will discuss later we're sort of doing one cocktail for the entire month so uh we will throw it to mr adam for a cocktail for this month the drink is called spill the tea uh you're gonna need two ounces (laughs) lena like that one yes uh, and this actually does sound very delightful, so I, I do want to make this one. So you need two ounces of Johnny Walker Black, a half ounce of green tea syrup, a half ounce of lemon juice, one ounce of ginger beer, two ounces of pineapple juice, and two ounces of club soda. Now, to make the green tea syrup, you take one cup of water, one cup of sugar, simmer on the stove. When it starts to simmer, you add in two green tea bags, uh, let it sit for 15 minutes, take it off the heat, let it steep for 15 more minutes, and then take out the tea bags and let it cool down, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're going to take all the ingredients except for the club soda. You're going to add it to an ice-filled shaker. You're going to shake the shit out of it. I love saying that. Uh, strain it into an ice-filled glass. Add the club soda and stir. And then this is the fun part. You're going to garnish with a lemongrass spear. So very... Here. Yeah, which is hard to find, actually. I have to go to like, Winco to find it, or Whole Foods. But it just sounds like a, a delightful summer drink that you enjoy out on the patio while you spill the tea. So, Tales of yeah. the Cock. It's yeah. Pride Month. Yeah. It was so, called Spill the Tea. It wasn't yes, cock. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adam, you seem to be the one who always has a drinking game rule, because the rest of us keep forgetting. Yeah. Uh, do you have a drinking game rule for this week? Um, I was either going to go with every time they talk about undesirables, or every single time that Snagglepuss gets snooty about writing theater. Oh, okay. I have one. Yeah, we're listening. Anytime uh, take a drink anytime that one of the characters says one of their, like, taglines from Hanna-Barbera. Mm. So, like, oh, Kevin's yeah. to Murgatroyd, 
side and mm-hmm. uh, exit stage left. And I forget Huckleberry Hounds. Oh, he says it towards the end of it. Yeah. So when I saw it, I was like, hey. Um, so it's a quick shot of McGraw say his too. I think they all do. Yeah. So it just, but it's it's not like constant throughout everything, but you hear you hear them enough to, that because and I've Hannah Barbera was Hannah Barbera was uh before my time as well, but um But we're children yeah. of reruns. Yes. Well that and my yes. father is like a is like crazy when it comes to that and like Looney Tunes and everything. So I grew up watching all of that just because he always loved it. So I've had moments where I've realized that I've become way too soft and that has been watching old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, particularly the Flintstones recently. And I'm like, fuck, this is violent. (laughs) I don't have that reaction. (laughs) I I surprisingly was like, there's a lot of spousal abuse in this one from Wilma on to Fred. Oh yeah, it was never him to her. It was always the other way around. Yeah, so. yeah, like literally clubs him over the head at least once an episode. Yeah, and I mean, did, he probably deserved it, but you know, so not, not all. No, well, I don't know. Fred is one of those people. Like the plot of almost every Flintstones episode is Fred doing something dumb, right? But he doesn't actually do the dumb thing he gets in trouble for. Something happens that makes it seem much worse than what he actually did, and that's what he gets in trouble for. So he's like he's sort of a victim of fate more than anything else. So that's kind of like an old school Peter Griffin. No, because well, Peter Griffin. And I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Fred Flintstone's heart is more in the right place than Peter Griffin. Well, Flintstones was basically, wasn't it the Honeymooners? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is yeah. even older. So let's just we'll just go further back in time. I've seen it in the picture books. <laughs> no, picture so, books. Uh, no, so I remember as a kid, my parents had all the tapes of the Honeymooners radio show. So we used to listen to those with like Abbott and Costello and the Phantom and all that stuff. So that also is a part of my childhood. That was, I think, even that was before my parents' childhood. So that was very, very long long time ago so okay so fun story we used to have the tapes of like uh radio shows we would listen to on road trips and i listened to the war of the worlds the famous one with uh orson wells Mm -hmm. that everyone claims freaked everyone out but then their actual news reports do not point to that at all uh in fact most people knew that it was fake and you know whatever yeah anyway so i did a report when i was in elementary school i think and i had to interview my grandfather so i interviewed him and he told me all about the reaction and how much he remembers this broadcast of the War of the Worlds. We went back and like looked at when the War of the Worlds really came out. He was two months old. Oh, Grandpa telling stories again. And here's the thing: we, we all knew my grandfather did not let the truth get in the way of a good story. Like it, he he was down to entertain. Like that was that was, and he loved a good tall tale. So it's no, and he also know that he's about to tell you something that was total bullshit if it started with the phrase well hell so like if he's like <laughs> well hell this one time you knew it was total bullshit That's so awesome. and see what's I funny my that. boss makes fun of me for telling tall tales but they're all true like when i tell the story of growing up on in a house that was built on top of a rattlesnake den that was a hundred percent true and i don't think anyone believes me but it, it happened there it was like are. a horror movie jump out of your car after school and jump over two rattlesnakes it was fun i mean i so. used to tell people that i um i grew up in the town that they made the documentary for film Footloose after and uh, and so people believe me. I told people that's why I can't dance or why I have terrible dance moves because I was not allowed to do it when I was a child because music was of the devil. So You dancing. are so bad. No, we, <laughs> oh just, we just don't know how to dance because we're white. So <laughs> Hey, so my 
nibblings, nieces, went to a dance and like had a go. They went to prom and they were going back and forth and I was discussing things. And one thing came up, I was like, so how was the slow dances? But I'm like, oh, there was just one. I'm like, what? So you went to prom and were you guys there the whole time? I was like, oh, start to finish. And how many slow dances were there? They're like, just one. What kind of DJ for a prom was that horseshit? And they're like, and I, I kind of look strange. And they're like, yeah, that's pretty common in dances. It's just one. It's a lot more of upbeat stuff and people there. And I'm like, well, things keep it changing. Huh. We're kids I can top days. that. Huh. I can top that. So I went to a really, really religious sheltered high school and we couldn't say it was prom. It had to be our promenade and dancing wasn't allowed. So instead of dancing, we had foot fellowship. You're playing footsies with people? No, that sounds like, like something kinkier as hell. I know. Yeah. Foot fellowship. <laughs> like, there's an OnlyFans for foot That's what they called it. <laughs> you're like, it was, foot fellowship, huh? It was and like line dancing. It was like line dancing or some shit. I don't remember. It was a very long time ago. And I went with a girl. I mean, kind of a deal. that is why there was a pile of shoes, a girl's shoes in the corner right there. And it was because it was a little footsie orgy going on. That it was the very religious version of it. Well, we won't go into junior high school. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it's, it's the, no need the for really, junior high school. <laughs> it's the very religious version of a key party. You put your shoes in the corner. So, yeah. And, and depending on whose shoes you pick up, it depends on who you go. <laughs> hey! No, it depends on who you do a Bible study with. Oh, so. I think this do Bible study. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they used to tell us. <laughs> that's that's what they call it. Okay. <laughs> We're totally off topic. <laughs> Which we <laughs> never do, not. ever. I would argue we are not because uh, Snagglepuss is a storyteller by heart and we are telling entertaining tales. Also, he has great, like, southern phrases that he uses and I have used a few of those in my time. I've been quoted as saying some some things. Um, the one that I think is the most funny but one that maybe I potentially regret was uh, I was doing a show at Disney and mm-hmm. uh, it was a dance party and there was one girl, uh, probably early 20s, who was dancing with her friends and was not wearing an appropriate bra for uh, shuffling because dubstep mm. and shuffling was really popular at the time. And I said, it looks like two raccoons fighting in a gunny sack. And... Um, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and that quote came back to me a couple times. Yeah, I can't imagine how. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my Lord. <laughs> That's almost as good as he accidentally got his coworker pregnant. So, oh yeah, pull out. It's not an effective method. Uh, What form of birth control did you use? Prayer. Rhythm method. Anyway, okay. So, uh, general of uh, Snagglepuss for those of you playing at home who haven't read it. uh, I have a drinking game. Oh, you have a drinking game. Oh, sorry, (laughs) I'm still on that. Okay. What's your drinking game? Every time there's an element of McCarthyism and you go, ugh, take a drink. Yeah, okay. Small sips. Small sips. Small sips. Small sips. (laughs) Now, if you need to look up what McCarthyism was, turn on Fox News. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, anyway, so Snagopus is a closeted gay writer who is married to a woman as a cover. Um, He is dating uh, a young man from Cuba, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. uh, who uh, is in the country illegally. He hangs out at the uh, Stonewall, uh, is it in or is it just Stonewall? It's Stonewall just, Inn, yeah. Is it in? Yeah, but which is a, a famous uh, gay bar, which is part of the start of the uh, the gay rights.
riots movement was uh, brick thrown at Stonewall. Um, also started um, by uh, mainly trans people, if I remember correctly, uh, or at least the first person to really sort of fight for it was trans. Um, yeah, there were a lot better. of a lot of drag queens and trans women there. Yeah. And uh, oh, what's her name? Marsha P. Johnson yeah. is credited with. Uh, she was a trans woman of color who was mm-hmm. uh, credited with throwing the first brick. Yeah. So so first person to raise hell. But in this one, uh, it is uh, you know gay humans and animals who all this does bring me up to a weird question but i will say for my drinking game rule going back anytime there's a human wearing animal costuming for a pl- part in a play take a drink because i mm. i almost wonder if that's cartoon blackface but that's a totally different issue i could totally it see felt that. uncomfortable to me like that was of all the there's a lot of weird stuff in this and there's a lot of things to make you feel uncomfortable and a little bit sad for the history of the united states but that one felt a little wrong like weren't there plenty a of good wokey yeah right. like couldn't you have cast a tiger actor for the tiger role like i don't know you crack me because <laughs> i will say well no but they did have uh it, there was like a a cat playing a dog in one of them too okay but uh now i'm just thinking of clerks too so i know or uh the joke that todd keeps threatening to do to me every time i'm on a panel at uh uh fan X when he wants to say what's a nubian <laughs> which by the way it's funny okay you know what's really funny which will would make you laugh very hard so i've been doing uh, a bunch of shows for the opera company the last two weeks yeah and i have three more weeks of tech rehearsals for those things um okay they're doing aida guess what they're fucking nubians in aida and yeah. they come up all the time and every time the nubians come up in the show i think of todd being an <laughs> asshole <laughs> <laughs> and i like there's only one person there who sometimes listens to the show so it's brent you're the only person i could do this to i could i want to lean over and say what's a nubian Just, and he would understand what i was saying but well you should i should <laughs> you should yes next time he's sitting next should. to me and the nubians happen i will i will do that uh anyway so snagglepuss basically gets dragged in front of uh the i think it's the congress uh congressional mm-hmm. hearing uh on mccarthyism he gets called in front twice um, the second time ends up ruining his career um, and ruining the lives of uh, some of his closest family and friends. Uh, but it's really about him being closeted gay uh, and also dealing with McCarthyism um, and why that fate against uh, that sort of oppression is important. Did I miss anything? Ba- I mean, I, I kind of summed up the last half of it really quickly, but I miss it. And then, yeah. and what was so amazing is that this is a McCarthyism tale of all of these things and how the book ends ties it right back into the Hanna-Barbera universe so this whole story is canon. That's <laughs> true because at it the is. end of end of this book they start making cartoons because they can't get roles in theater or film. They start making cartoons because it's easy for them and so that is why these animals are on cartoon shows. That's yeah. right. And they so, and they won't be blacklisted anymore so. That's right. So, well or at least they don't care like the, the cartoons are the Ed Wood of, of entertainment at that point. It is. Time. So the fact that he did this so out there story and they're like what is this Hanna-Barbera? Like dude it all works. It yeah. all fits. Yeah. So if it fits, it sits. Anyway, Lana, since this is the first time you're reading it, everybody else, I think we've read it the second time at least. What are your thoughts? Um, so I will say the very beginning when I started reading it, I the first thing that came to my mind was the movie The Majestic. Oh yeah. Um, because it, it so I um tend to steer clear of all of the bullshit around McCarthyism and pulling all of the the artists into Congress because... 
Um, I was just in Washington, D.C. this weekend and realized how much I just really don't like our our government. So, um, and they've kind of been shitheads for pretty much the entirety of their existence. So, uh, the, the most that I have with anything that's like this is like the Majestic or the stupid trials you would see in like Pleasantville that had that kind of same feel when they were all or the or the play the Crucible. Yeah, so, yeah, it, which is referenced in here actually. So it's those things that. So when I first saw it, I was like, okay. When I saw Stonewall, I was like, hey, I know what's going on here, and um, I I think it was really good. Uh, I be. Being that I I know all the Hanna Barbera characters, I every time I saw one pop up, and as soon as I saw Huckleberry Hound, I got really excited because he was my favorite. Um, and then he made but, you really depressed. Yeah. Oh my god. It got you in the feels. Yeah. It was just, like, and I guess that's the other thing. It's a little sad. Uh, yeah. Read it on my my train ride from the airport to home today, and it's just it's not the most positive, happy book. <laughs> Um, yeah. but it but ends really, with a hopeful future. It does. I and the thing is, I um, it's really well done. I think that's the thing of it. Is I just I feel like it's it was well written. It's um, it's a good intro for people who don't know that history. Um, so I I liked it, but it was um. Was a little sad, just, mm-hmm. a little, just a little sad. So, yeah. um, which is why my drinking game focused on the like happier side. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the fact that like, so I, it's funny the things that you like hang on to. So like he always said, so Sagalpus always said heaven to Murgatroyd, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. my grandmother always said that, and so when I when I hear him say that, I'm like, oh, Mimi. So like, <laughs> it's so it's it's you get good feeling from things and then you know but it was this the story itself was a little a little sad so okay but well written and yeah. kept your interest the entire time so yeah. yeah an incredibly well well created piece of work yeah um it is one of the books that i will point out to people where it's like if you want something that will surprise you with how good it is because like this is a book that had no business being this good yeah like i so you guys had talked about this before but i was mm-hmm. like it's fucking snagglepuss like how yeah, good good it be like what kind of goofy bullshit are we reading right now? And then yeah, I started that's... reading it, and I was like, Jesus Christ! What the <laughs> hell are they having me reading right now? Yeah. And again, really, really well done, but not what I had expected. I, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but it was not, not this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I. It's also just one of those things where it's like, where did the assignment start and end? Like, was it here? Write a comic book with snagglepuss or was it like i want to write this book about an old cartoon character and i want to make him gay and uh a victim of mccarthyism like who approved that pitch like where i want i'm very curious as to how the line went for this I thing see, happening yeah, this pitch meeting with dan didio yeah i mean we always talk about the elevator pitch but how long was this elevator ride to make them believe in this project right i mean he also did the mark russell the writer he did the flintstones which got a deluxe hardback edition because apparently that is everything 
every bit is amazing. Well, now I'm going to have to go read Flintstones. Right? So he did a run on the Flintstones. This guy's also did uh, the uh, God is Disappointed in You. <laughs> Which I love Bible. dearly. Yeah, yeah, you taught me about that. And, and I he love did that the book. sequel, Apocrypha Now. So I approve the name. So, so he, he writes a whole bunch of stuff that's really interesting. It's Mark's stuff is better than it should be. And it's like, here, take this. He's like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to turn it up to 11. And it's always a surprise. Well, so one of the things I was reading this, the art, as great as the writing is, I'll get to that. What was so good about the art is you're taking these uh, lower fidelity drawn characters and now we're adding so much more detail than there was before, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it feels more fleshed out, but it's still exactly them. Mm-hmm. There's so often that you say, and here is Transformers of the New Generation. And I'm like, who is that? Oh, that's Bumblebee. And you're like, really? Scooby-Doo Apocalypse borderlines on that. Right. There, I mean, there, there's plenty of yeah, Scooby-Doo. I mean, you see, it's like, here's the new edition of that. It's like, these are the characters and you're like, okay, this doesn't feel that way. I mean, it's absolutely, like, I say a different version, a much higher, more detailed, heavier, but it still has all of the charm and you know exactly who it is. I thought that did it well. So, Animal Farm was a book where you had all of these animal characters with anthropomorphism and human neighbors and whatnot mm-hmm. doing the woes of communism. And this has the same setting, doing the woes of McCarthyism. So, in a lot of ways, I think this book needs to sit next to Animal Farm as like a counterpoint. Interesting. Just how it goes. I've been really thinking about, Brian, you're making this comment is uh, human actors putting on animal things. Is that a black face of sorts? And I'm like, I want to put it past him. No, I mean, I, I think that, that he could have been making that point. Right. It's And it, it's just interesting to me because like, I don't know, like part of me is... And a role is a role is a role sometimes. Well, and like, here's the thing. If you colorblind cast, that's one thing. Whereas like, so I mentioned the Aida that I'm doing. There are white people who are Nubians, but that's because it's relatively colorblind cast. You know what I mean? Sure. Also, it's a rep company. So they had a bunch of kids they needed something to do with in the chorus. And the chorus in Aida is basically Nubians. So like, that's just- What's what a Nubian? Doing. There you go. Christ. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. But yeah, like, but you started it, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you're the instigator what? uh yeah but uh but i don't know like the fact is you you mainly see white human actors yeah. uh playing uh, animals and like that's i don't know it feels a little weird and i'm sh- and i'm knowing the way the rest of this book is written i'm sure it's on purpose oh yeah uh but yeah well anyway, i mean if but- you think about it back then i mean how many how many plays were out there that actually would cast that had roles for black people and people of color you know if you go back even to like the oh, classic yeah. Rodgers and Hammerstein, like there was no real representation out there for anyone other than white people. Well, uh, then even like if you look into movies of the day, they had Italians playing the Native Americans. <laughs> yep. Hey, at least I mean, they yeah. White. yeah, it's there's a movie called uh Billy Jack that uh that my mom actually wrote. Like, I don't think she realized when she watched it that it was uh, a farce, mm-hmm. but um, she wrote a, like a, a synopsis of it for a film class and she like ransacked it but they do something very specifically where they hire like a really weird casting choice for the native americans some of that like on purpose to point out how ridiculous it is but i'd have to look into it anyway well just I mean, to be clear even in west side story oh yeah bernardo is, is played by in in the movie it, mm-hmm. bernardo is played by an italian guy yeah. maria is played by a russian <laughs> yeah 
So, so it's been happening, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and in Cannibal the Musical, the Native Americans are played by Japanese people. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that was on purpose because it's Trey yeah. Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. So. Yeah. It w- they were making the same point that the Billy Jack movie I was discussing makes. That's a better, more current example I should have used. But. Uh, <laughs> I think Cannibal the Musical is a better example of the statement I was making. I, I will 100% stand behind that. Uh, Mr. Adam, what are your thoughts? So the, the fun thing about this book in a sense that it's, it, I mean, it's not really a fun book per se, but it's interesting how they kind of brought in a lot of the different parts of that era that, and they made it work for the book. So for instance, you've got the lawyer lady who's actually a lesbian behind closed doors, who's running the whole thing, which is very much a contemporary in this book for Roy Cohn, who mm-hmm. was doing the same thing with, with McCarthy and everything else, where he was persecuting all the homosexuals while he was out having gay sex on the side with everyone in the whole world for 30 years. And it always goes back to uh, when I see anything that references him with Angels in America, which is my favorite play of all time, uh, you know, in, in two parts. Uh, and so there, there are a lot of similarities between this and that, especially because of the fact that Snagglepuss was a playwright and was doing all this stuff. So that always, anytime you can make me think of Angels in America, it makes me happy. So, uh, but yeah, I think a couple things that really stuck out that were really hard to read. And again, even after doing this for a second time was when Quick Draw McGraw, you know, they raid Stonewall and Huckleberry Hound's there and he's given the choice of, well, do I take this person into custody even though he's my quasi-boyfriend uh, and says, no, he just, he chooses to arrest him, call me the ref word and I beat the essentially, shit out of him. Oh, yeah, beat the shit out of him and that was kind of, you know, as much as more things happen that led to Huckleberry Hound making the decision he did later on in the book, I mean, that's a, that's a huge, huge moment that really kind of put his future into play uh, and it's always interesting when we read these kind of books or you know I, I discuss certain things with people and everyone's like well i could never do that that would never happen to me blah 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 and it's like but if you were in the exact same situation where you were putting your own self-preservation on the line against this thing that you believed in would you actually make the active choice to put your life on the line and i think we can all, all of us sit back and say well yes i think i would do the right thing but if it came down to my life or someone else's would i do that and i hope i make the right choice i think we're all very well educated and we're not knowledgeable and understand what we stand for and the whole like if you stand for nothing you fall for anything kind of thing but that was a moment that just really resonated with me because i'll be completely honest you know growing up is we, we kind of joked about the whole uh repressed uh religious thing in, in in california uh i was brainwashed to the point that when they came out with i don't remember right prop 22 or whatever it was that they voted on to say that gay people couldn't get married when i was you know first 18 in high school and fully brainwashed that even though i knew i was gay it was still evil i voted for it to say that gay people couldn't get married. And that was one of those things that I always look back on, you know, and I always say I have no regrets because you learn from things. But for me, that was also a thing where it's like, I could have done whatever I wanted and said I did this thing and no one would have known. I would know. And I always say I really do put my integrity on the line as far as I will always do the right thing or I will always, yeah, I won't always do the right thing, but I won't do the wrong thing, cheat to win kind of like. But I can also see from his point of view from Quick Draw McGraw that if you're in a bad situation or something that you may make a wrong decision and you're going to look back and regret it years later. And I mean, the way it kind of came across in this book was that he did. Uh, and there might've been some blame there or some guilt for what happened to Huckleberry later down the road. But I don't know that that's something like I kind of identified with in the sense that I've been in a situation where I could have very easily lied and said I did something else and I did 
didn't. And I don't know to this day why I didn't do do the right thing and say, no, I'm not going to vote for this. But it goes back to when you've got something that's beaten into your head so hard your whole entire life that what else are you going to think? Yeah. Yeah. And not just beaten into your head, but in my my case, you know, literally beaten into me. So, uh, but no, it's it's not a fun book. I mean, there's some funny moments in it and it's silly in certain places. Uh, You know, we've talked about the actors who are dressed up and you've got the the one actor who sucks <laughs> and yeah. like, just fire him. The hippo's like, just fire him. I don't want him here anymore. And how they kind of finally handle that. But uh, I mean, Marilyn Monroe's in here. There, there's some little like key, key moments and touch points that we would all recognize from that era, despite the fact that it's anthropomorphic animals in it. But it still doesn't change the fact that you can use basically any kind of you know art form to make a very, very important point. And we've kind of you know half joked about the fact we're kind of back there now, because as much as everyone's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, America accepts gay people, this and that. If you look at the last year or two, as politicians have really decided, hey, we're going to go after trans people because they're an easy target. Uh, they just did a, a Gallup poll that came out a couple days ago that said not only are people more likely to say, hey, we're against trans people, the acceptance of same-sex couples has gone back. Like we're looking in the last year with even with some groups going back up to 10% of saying it's acceptable morally. So, you know, they go, they'll, they'll come after the people who are the, the easiest to do and the ones who are the most vulnerable and then use that as a stepping stone to go after everyone else. So yeah, I don't know, a lot to learn in this one. And again, it goes back to if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I don't know, there's just a lot going on in our country that makes me feel like we're taking not even steps forward anymore, just steps backwards. Oh, we're totally going backwards. Yeah, not even like one step forward, two steps back. It's like it's we bad. thought about putting our foot forward and then we just like fell on our ass. So yeah. So there's my downer for the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to recover from that. Uh but uh book's awesome. But the book is the book's awesome. awesome yeah. The book is awesome. The book has no right to be as good as it is. Um, and uh, I would, if you haven't read this already, I would highly recommend this. is one of the books I would definitely say I feel like you should go and read. Uh, and uh, on that note, uh, let's do uh, grades. Um, so we'll do best out of, like, you know, stars out of five or whatever, out of five. So, uh, Mr. Todd. Oh, it's a five for me. This book was one of my favorite when it came out. Yeah. It's great. Elena? I'm also going to give it a five. I think it's Ooh. fantastic. Well, Mr. Adam? Uh, right along there with a five it's i can't fault it for anything and it's a very important story that we need to learn from yeah and uh, i also obviously get a bit of five i think it is one of it's a, it's a, a high water mark mark in the uh in the art form i think um i think it's i don't know it's uniquely good uh i mean there's a lot of great comic books but for as far as like making a statement and taking artistic license with a uh existing character i, I don't think you see it done much better than this um the tagline on the back of the book says pink fur red scare yeah <laughs> it really i mean yeah quite well yeah so anyway okay well with that being said uh next week we are going to be reading bloom uh which i think is published by the same company that did on a sunbeam at least that's what the side binding of the book looks like yeah it's first second books first second books yeah okay so i think that's who did it uh i haven't my, i've been moving my comic book room so i haven't seen my copy of on a sunbeam to verify that but let's see white shelf top just to the right the whole shelf is white. I know. Oh, well, there's the black shelf there. Too. Oh, I see. Okay. We're so, straight in such an audio medium. So I know it does because I don't have enough books. Oh, no, maybe I'm wrong. Nope, it's not. Oh, for some reason I had a different. Oh, your book is different than mine. I have a different book. You have a different copy. Oh, I don't know. Maybe there's a second publishing or something like I know. that. My, I know. Mine's in a, in a box in the garage, so, so I cannot access it easily because it's probably covered in black widows. So yay. Well, they need good reading black widows we have a black widow that lives in the garage yes i don't know we we 
found it and tried to kill it and it ran away. So I'm <laughs> never going in there again. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually make Clark go down there and take the trash out. So there we go. And he goes with a flamethrower, ready to kill a spider at any moment. Yes, cool. as you we'll should. S- yes. But we'll re- be reading Bloom next week, which is a, a love story involving baking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong, Lena? No, you're not. You're not. It's just funny. You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. I know. Well, I didn't Lots say you're of- an asshole. <laughs> Lots of flour everywhere, so that was kind of weird. So yeah, what's that trying to say? I don't don't know. know. (laughs) Okay, anyway, is that like the fun bucket? I don't know the fun bucket of flour. (laughs) 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 We're getting to wrap it up, so it's like we're like on the Oscars speech. Lena's like, wrap it up. Nobody has time for this. This is too good of a book for me to reference something else. So I'm going to stop the recording and then I'm going to tell you the horrible thing I was going to reference. Of course. Anyway, uh, thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you all later. Bye. 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 (laughs) Jesus Christ.